the reason I started this project is because I've always had this belief that human interaction holds value beyond networking or dating. And I felt like once I graduated from college, it was hard to capture that. Yeah. In school, it was so easy to just become friends with someone at a party or through a club. And afterwards, it felt like everyone was a little bit tighter with their time. And I didn't really jive with that. So I studied finance at Penn State and I minored in accounting and entrepreneurship. And when I graduated, I did consulting for Deloitte. I had like a great salary. I was dating this girl at the time who my family loved. And I was checking all of those boxes, but I knew that I couldn't do that for the next 40 years until retirement. And so I was always exploring, like, what can I do on my own to create my own path? And because I have that belief, I decided to go out on this mission and kind of lead by example to other people like hey here's what happens when you put yourself out there it's summer which means you're going to be outside having fun and you need cool comfy t-shirts that represent who you are head over to inspired tees company at my shopify and you'll find the perfect inspirational christian tees for you inspired tees also has unique jewelry coffee mugs pharmacy cosmetics and skincare, and more everything you and your family need for an amazing summer at inspired tees company Shop online right now at inspiredteasco.myshopify.com. Rob, you're on a mission to meet 10,000 strangers for one hour, no structure, no agenda, just two people getting to know each other. This is so awesome, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. It's good to see you again. Absolutely, uh, dude. Absolutely. I was blessed to be one of the people that is part that are part of this project that you've been talking to, man. And so really just a blessing uh, to be part of that. So thank you for having me on earlier. I love to go back with my shows. Where did you grow <laughs> up and what was childhood like for you? So I grew up in Narstown, Pennsylvania, which is like 40 minutes outside of Philly. Gotcha. And my upbringing was good. I'm the youngest of three siblings. I grew up in the suburbs, went to Catholic school all my life up until college. Um, grew up in like a nice neighborhood with uh, friends with all the other kids. We have a pool in our backyard. So that was always nice, good memories from that. Um, and I think, yeah, I've always been a people person because of that. Like I have a bunch of cousins on my dad's side, a bunch of cousins on my mom's side. So I'm the youngest of all of them. And I think <clears throat> I was always pining for attention. Yeah. Um, but now I don't seek so much attention, but still love the, the connection with people. And then, so I played like soccer throughout high school. I was involved in a bunch of different clubs, like National Honor Society, Community Service Corps. Nice. Started working when I was 14 years old as a cashier at Chick-fil-A. Come so, on, that's yeah, awesome. Started, gotten <laughs> early there. And then I switched to doing like secretary stuff for a financial firm. Uh, so I was always busy in high school and then went to Penn State uh, for college. Super busy there as well. Like I did, uh, I raised money for kids with cancer. I built houses through Habitat for Humanity. I was part of a fraternity. I was a tour guide and I worked with our homecoming efforts. So nice. I've always just kind of been that way, like someone who needed to be involved in a bunch of different things, have a, a bunch of different things on my plate. And yeah, we, I can get into the rest of my story, like as we get into it. But yeah, a lot of my project comes from that of having sort of this desire to to always be doing something and always be working on this adventure. Yeah. Who was that person that made the biggest impact on you as a kid? 
a good question. I would say, like, I spent a lot of time with my older brother. So I am currently 30. My brother is 31 and my sister is 35. So I'm close with both my siblings. Nice. But if I think back to my childhood, the person who I was wrestling with and getting in trouble with were my parents, my brother, uh, yeah. like playing Crash Bandicoot on our PlayStation, my brother um, playing sports and whatnot. So we did a lot of things together. And so I think he shaped me in a lot of different ways. He even let me do some of his homework for him sometimes. Of course. <laughs> uh, so I thought I was getting like a cool deal at the time, but I was just doing his homework. But right. I think that that helped me like get uh, gain a little bit of knowledge before other people. So yeah, we ha- had a really good relationship. And I think that as a child and even now as adults, he, he's had a really big impact on me, uh, both as like a sibling and then as a supporter of the project. Yeah. Oh, man, that's amazing. So in 2015, you get this crazy idea that you want to go and meet 10,000 people. Like, where did this idea come from? And how did it all get started, man? It came from Penn State. So like I said, I was involved in a bunch of different clubs and activities there. And yeah. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this recently is like, why did I take on this project? Because <laughs> sure. for me, it makes so much sense. And then when you like other people, they're like, why are you going and meeting with all these people? And I just discovered, I think, last week that I have this belief that every human interaction can change your life and change the world. Yeah. And I'm like, when I thought of that, I was like, it makes so much sense because that's why I'm willing to sit down with 10,000 different people because I truly believe that any one of those interactions can change my life. And I've learned that they all do change your life. Yep. Uh, And so I think a lot of times people think like, okay, what does that mean changing your life? That means you have to become wildly successful or you have to have your life altered in this major way. But when I look back on the experience so far, I'm like, people have told me about, so for example, this time last year, we were all about to go into the pandemic. I met this girl from Kenya in April and she told me about this band called Salty Soul. It's like very upbeat Kenyan band. And they have this song, Susanna is very bright and happy and so I was listening to this when I was in my 750 square foot apartment uh, staying with my friends in Hoboken New Jersey and it was kind of like a contrast to the circumstances at that time sure and so that's a very small thing but she shifted my life in that way and then there's been people that I've met who have completely given me a different perspective on life I met a girl yesterday she's 26 years old her dad died when she was 16 her mom died when she was 23 and I just before this came from dinner with my parents. And so I have an active appreciation for those people because I heard of the story of someone who didn't have that anymore. Right. So the reason I started this project is because I've always had this belief that human interaction holds value beyond networking or dating. And I felt like once I graduated from college, it was hard to capture that. Yeah. In school, it was so easy to just become friends with someone at a party or through a club And afterwards, it felt like everyone was a little bit tighter with their time. And I didn't really jive with that. So I studied finance at Penn State and I minored in accounting and entrepreneurship. And when I graduated, I did consulting for Deloitte. I had like a great salary. I was dating this girl at the time who my family loved and I was checking all of those boxes, but I knew that I couldn't do that for the next 40 years until retirement. And so I was always exploring like, what can I do on my own to create my own path? And because I have that belief, I decided to go out 
on this mission and kind of lead by example to other people like, hey, here's what happens when you put yourself out there. So hopefully someday people will see my project and my story and be like, you know, I should talk to that person on the trainer. Maybe I should try to meet more people this year. So good, man. I have a daily goal to make one person smile every day. Like nice. I don't get out of the house much because I've been working from home since 2015. So I try to get out of the house. Like usually twice a week is when I'm getting out of the house. Cause I got kids coming, <laughs> excuse me, kids coming home and stuff like that. But like my goal, like every single day is to make one person smile that I don't know. Like if I'm out at the store, man, and they have a name tag on them called by their name. Right. You know, they have that on there for a reason, man. So I love that idea there. I checked this morning and I believe that you posted friend 4,157. <clears throat> I was blessed to, again, to meet with you back in January. That was 4,016. How many people do you meet with a day? And, and do you have a kind of an expectation of when this project will end? I try to meet four people every day. Okay. So the way that I structure my schedule now is 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because I'm in Philly. And that has kind of been my, my internal quota for the last several years. When I So I started the project in November of 2015, and I was working full-time in tech sales. I started my career with Deloitte, and then I went to a tech company, and then it was there that I started this project. And eight months after I started it, that company was bought out, so I was laid off. And then I jumped into this full-time and I was in Philly, like I had a lease there for 11 months. Uh, so during that time, I was trying to meet five people every day. I would do 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m. And then I would take a break from two to four to come back to my place, grab lunch. And then I would meet someone at four and six. I'd get home at seven. I'd write their story. I'd answer messages all night. I'd wake up and do it again the next day. And then I went out to LA and it, because of traffic, it was just impossible to do five people a day. So I kind of, I went to four people and I was yeah. meeting people at noon to four and six to avoid the morning traffic and avoid the evening traffic. Yeah. And I just kind of stuck with that ever since. And now like the times have shifted, but the internal quota has always been four people a day. And a lot of people are like, oh, did it shift with the pandemic? Are you able to meet more people or less? And I have stuck with that same four people a day, but more people hold to it now. I do everything virtually now, everything before the pandemic was in person. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny because if you look, if I were to message you to be one of the first 10 people of this project, you would have gotten an email that said, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to meet 10,000 people. I want to do it in aggressively four years. So now we're over five years into it and we're at 4,100. So I was off a little bit, um, but I think it's going to be, within the next 10 years that I complete it. And I think, and if you look at the pace that I'm moving at eight years is probably more accurate. Yeah. But um, as you know, and we talked about, I want to get a little bit into public speaking about the project as yeah. well. And so I think if I'm flying different places or, or spending the time to set up some of these gigs, I might have to pull back on maybe go to like three people a day, but yep. in the end, that's the fuel that allows me to do the project is having some type of income. So uh, yeah, I just say within the next 10 years to allow for some space to like be, be flexible with my schedule. Yeah. And I know that you had, I mean, you had mentioned that uh, you started, you tried to meet as many people in person and then COVID hit. And obviously that put a halt to meeting people in person. How did COVID and shutdowns affect this project or did it help you in a way? I do think it's going to be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. It, 
it in when I so I had just come off of a nine month partnership with WeWork, the co-working space. Yep. So that was great. That was a, a way for me to have income and to support myself. And it literally ended the week before everything shut down. So it was kind of good timing. For and sure. I don't think that they were really in a place where we were going to continue at that point. Um, so it was a nice partnership and it, it ended right at that point. But I was like, OK, cool, I'm coming off this partnership. I can go in and start hitting up some other companies, show them the work that I did with them. And then when you remember in that time, it was like everything shut down. And I'm kind of one of those people. I think that when that started to happen, I was like, okay, well, I need to take a back seat. Like I can't be reaching out to companies to support me as a creator when the world is at risk right now. And so I just pulled back and I was lucky. Actually, I did get a partnership with an app called Friended this okay. guy um, had started this app as a way to have people like swipe to connect with each other just for friendship because he had made some great friends online. So he was really nice in that we did, um, uh, I used his app to connect with people and then like showcased it to my audience. But on a whole, I pulled back. And yeah. so it was frightening in that time. And I sometimes think about like, where would I be like stability wise now, if this had never happened, would I have been able to continue and build on that? Uh, but it is what it is. And what ha did happen is I went virtual and I was able to meet people without any geographic boundaries. And I think that the benefit of that is gonna far outweigh any like negative that came from it regarding my project, because the whole goal for me eventually was to get to different cities and different places in person and like see people's cultures and stuff. And I never wanted to do video because I was like, I can just sit in my bedroom and do that. But yeah, I have learned that you can still get so much value in terms of understanding what a different culture is like, or what's going on in a different country at that time. Like for example, in um, Belarus, I think there was like an election in, in August that, um, there was like some corruption and like they've been protesting there every day since August. I never would have known about that if I hadn't talked to people from there. Yeah. Um, and so I started to learn a lot about the world outside of the US, which was really nice. And it was also very comforting to learn what people were doing in regards to the pandemic, because it, it really made me understand that this is something that's not just happening here, it's happening everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I think the ultimate benefit is going to be once we are able to get back out in person, I have like 75 countries that I could drop in tomorrow and have someone who's willing to show me around. That's so cool, man. I believe action is the foundation of success. With strategic action, your vision can become a thriving reality. However, in today's modern age, you will need world-class digital infrastructure designed around the goal of your business. At Vision Thrive, we specialize in creating websites, e-commerce sites, and mobile apps for your business. When you work with us, we have a no questions asked refund policy, so you're guaranteed to like what you see. If you're interested, please visit visionthrive.com. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-T-H-R-I-V-E.com. Look, this is perfect for every entrepreneur and MMA fighter out there. Again, take a look at visionthrive.com. So cool. And obviously you've met with just a ton of amazing people. I'm curious, is there a common theme that you've heard throughout your conversations? Like what is it that most people are needing or seeking through, uh, you know, when you meet with them? It's a good question. Um, I don't know what it is that most people need or seek. I think that there is a shortage of listening ears out there. Mm. 
and you may see it just being a podcaster who has guests on when you give people the opportunity to talk about themselves they happily do it and sometimes it even feels like people were holding it in and just waiting for the opportunity and when they get that it just spills out in front of you and <clears throat> I think a lot of people seek that out and other people in regards to my project like the idea of being part of something bigger than themselves and bigger than that specific meeting um and I think in general what I've learned is that no one really knows what they're doing with their lives everyone's just doing the best they can with the resources that they have and everyone is uncertain has uncertainties and has insecurities and I think a lot of times we don't really have options or channels to talk about them yeah but when they come to this dude who's just this stranger that they're going to see for an hour and then he's going to disappear they're like oh okay cool i'll just chat with this guy the girl that i just talked to was talking to me about because i had asked her i was, I was like what do you when you're not in school when you're not working what do you like to do in your free time and she said oh this is actually a bad time to ask that question because i'm going through depression right now and i stayed in my bed all day and she was like look i'm actually wearing pajamas and i was like oh that's fine like it's perfectly fine i talked to many people who have gone through that but she was like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And <laughs> I think people just get comfortable with that, that atmosphere of having someone who genuinely wants to listen to them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, I mean, you've had obviously great conversations. Has there ever been conversations where it just didn't go very well and you're like, this is awkward? I have had ones where I will ask questions and I will get a one word answer. <laughs> and I'll ask questions and I get a one word answer and about three minutes into the conversations, I'm like, okay, this is going to be one where I really have to keep this conversation afloat. Otherwise we're not going to get to the hour. I've never had one where we couldn't get to the hour. Okay. It requires a lot of effort to think of the next thing. And, and even that is a whole interesting thing in and of itself of wondering what is going on in the other person's head. Oftentimes it's social anxiety or they're just like, don't know how to have a proper conversation. And so I'm thinking, okay, how can I make this a good experience for them so that they feel empowered to go do it again and kind of work on that for themselves. But yeah, that, that can be very difficult, especially because, you know, I have a one minute video clip that I post of each person. Right. And I like to just stay out of it. I like it to be just them talking about themselves, some part of their life or whatever, but some conversations as I'm going through, I'm realizing that I'm not gonna have at any point in this hour, one minute of them just talking because they won't say enough before right. they let it come back to me. So those are always a bit difficult. I haven't had any conversations where I thought the person was too weird or anything like that. And if they are weird, it's again, I, I enjoy acknowledging that that type of person exists because totally. if they exist, there's someone else out there that exists like them. And I feel like I'm preparing myself for a future conversation. Yeah. I love it, man. I mean, I think, I, I think meeting different people, I'm fascinated with people's stories, man. So like, that's why I love podcasting. I selfishly like want to talk to people and then I want to share it with the world, man. So I totally understand like just meeting people that are different per personalities than me different cultures than me like i think that is just fascinating to me I, I mean you've taken this thing all the way to like ryan seacrest show you were on kelly clarkson's show many others man what was your experience with meeting kelly clarkson she seems just really cool and down to earth she was very cool and down to earth 
uh, that was awesome. That was, I think, if I think back on like the press pieces that I've done through my project, that is definitely the biggest and also the most fulfilling because when they reached out to me <clears throat> in July of 2019, they producers hit me up and they were like, we'll fly you out to LA. And so I was gonna go out for the show and they said, we think it'd be really cool if the whole audience was made up of people that you'd met through your project because I had spent about a year and a half in LA and I've met 700 people during my time there. And so I sent this link to everyone that I had met in LA. I was like, hey, I'm gonna be on the Kelly Clarkson show. If you can get off work, come be in the audience. And pretty much the whole audience was people that I'd met. And so it was this very nerve wracking experience of, of being like that morning, they pick you up in the black car from the hotel, they take you into the lot, you go into your green room. And I'm sitting in this room from 9 a.m. until noon, just anxious the whole time. I, there's a, an app called Insight Timer for meditations. And so I just had these 45 minute meditations going on, just trying my best to make sure I didn't have a panic attack on national TV. Um, but I took a lot of comfort in the fact that when I walked out onto the stage, I saw a hundred familiar faces and they were all like, you got this, Rob, you got this. And that was extremely comforting, but I didn't meet Kelly until I sat down on the couch next to her right before my segment. And so it is Kelly, me, Jane Lynch and Joe Coy. And I was like, one of these things is not like the other, right? You are all celebrities. I am a guy that they found on Instagram. Yeah. And, but Kelly was great. She was extremely down to earth. And I think the same way that I would comfort someone who comes to my project and gets nervous in the beginning, she did that for me. She made it seem a lot more like a chill thing. You're not on national TV. We're just here having a conversation. And that really helped me to be the, the best that I could be for that segment. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah, I think that's the same thing. Like when I get people on my show, uh, especially MMA fighters, I think that aren't used to being interviewed or anything like that. Like, you know, they they kind of feel like they're nervous. And I'm like, look, this is pre-recorded. It's not live. It's just you and I having a conversation. We can just chill out and, you know, mm -hmm. and have that. So, yeah, I love that part of it. Uh, this is your full-time gig now. You have a Patreon set up. You have some sponsors. But how are you supportive financially? And how can folks support you in this project? Yeah, great question. I over the years, I have had different partnerships. So I'll talk you through kind of like the different facets of it. When I started, I had, so I'd worked three years, as I mentioned, doing consulting for Deloitte and then tech sales. So I had this kind of savings and I saw that as my budget to get this off the ground. And my business strategy was one goal is don't run out of money. Mm. So it was pretty simple. And I came very close a couple of times okay. and I just was the whole thought process in my head was if I'm building this, this audience on Instagram that is authentically engaged with what I'm doing. Then I can loop in partners who have the same values as me. And hopefully there's a marriage there that works out for the partners and the people are interested in those companies. And I did that with everyone from WeWork to, I did a partnership with Peace Tea, it's a brand of Coca-Cola. I had a partnership with Penn Medicine, a hospital here in Philly where I highlighted the stories of six of their surgeons. I did one with the mural arts program in Philadelphia, an app called Shaper, which is kind of like networking Tinder, almost like it's a swiping networking thing, very okay. like LinkedIn feel to it, but they were really great to me. And a lot of small businesses too. In the early days of my project, I would have 
I would tag a business in each photo. And then at the end of the caption, I would write presented this month by Fishtown Pharmacy or presented this month by Teen Dental. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have a monthly sponsor each month. And then the people who follow me will know that this is a company that is supporting human connection this month. And I ran that for several months. I, and it was everything from a mom and pop pharmacy to an urgent care center, a dentist office, a leadership program, a dog walking company, a wedding band, a photographer, a weekly publication. So just the ran, most random mix of things that you can think of. But it was all great because all these people had been part of my project. And so it made it almost more meaningful that they were coming together to help it. Yeah. Uh, but those were all small partnerships that allowed me to lose money at a slower rate. And so eventually I'd have to get into some bigger ones. The WeWork one was helpful. And what I plan to do now, I do have a Patreon page, which is just Rob's 10K friends. I have people who support me on there, which is awesome. Whether it's big or small, it's nice to see something come in every month. Mm-hmm. and I'm really pushing for public speaking. So trying to, to use what I've learned from my project to encourage other people to go out and do connection or at this point, like I feel qualified to talk about staying committed to a dream because I've done it for 4,100 hours and there's a lot yeah. of different like entrepreneurship in that sense. So really just diving into what have I learned and how can I make an impact on other people through sharing that and coming up in April, I have a TEDx talk at Emory University. Yeah. And that feels great. It feels like that will be the jumping off point for a lot of other great things. And so that's what most of my evenings look like. After this podcast tonight, I'm probably going to grab a beer and then just sit here in my room and run through my talk and just try to nail it down as best as I can before I have to record it. Is that going to be live or uh, is it going to be a virtual TEDx talk? It's going to be virtual. So I have okay. to pre-record it and send it to them, which is kind of nice. The stakes yeah. are a bit lower. I am. I wish I had that audience interaction so you could feed off of them a little bit. Totally. But I'm going to be nervous either way for it. And so better to be nervous in something that's controllable. Like you said, if it's pre-recorded for me, uh, fortunately, one of the guys that I met through my project is a videographer. So I messaged him and he was like, hey, we have a studio. We can film this for you. Great sound quality and whatnot. And so I was able to leverage the network that I've built to help me with this talk. And I'm just going to book his studio for an hour or two and hopefully nail it in the first time. But if not, then there's like a little bit of leeway. So there's less pressure. Sure. It is different doing public speaking in a virtual sense. I actually had not done, I've done a couple public speaking engagements years ago, but just recently started getting back into it. February of this year, I got my first paid speaking public engagement. I saw that on Instagram. Right, 50 bucks. It's on my wall right here. I'm like, dude, that's my first check. I'm going to make that like 10 times that next year, you know, right? Like, you know, but it was in, it was a small group of maybe 18 people, but, and I was sitting here and wearing shorts and slippers and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tell my story. And then the very next day, I got an email from another company out here in Idaho called RiseX. It was a a virtual entrepreneurship con, uh, like, um, uh, a conference, I guess. And they asked me to be the keynote speaker for the following week. And I was like, whoa, dude, that's crazy. So I did two of those in February. And it, it was, it was, even though it was like virtual, it was hard to engage with people. Right. So it was like, man, are they listening? Are they not like, what are they doing? And, you know, but uh, they both turned out really well. I was totally blessed to be able to do that. But I think I, for me, once I had those done, that first one done, I thought the second one, I'm like, oh, I already got this. I can talk on the same topic, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, but yeah, congratulations on the TEDx talk to you, man. That's awesome. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's a, an awesome opportunity. And I think one that maybe I take lightly, I don't know. Like, sure. I, I mean, I don't take the, the act of it lightly, but yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this will be a fun thing to do. And then I see other people who are so proud of the fact that they're giving TEDx talks. And it's kind of a good reminder that this is a really great opportunity. And I've seen yeah. multiple people. I know Rachel Peterson is, uh, is that, did we get introduced through her? Do you uh, know her? Yeah, I just, I follow her on Instagram. She's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So I saw she's doing one. Yeah. And so I'm super excited for her. She and I met for my project. Um, and oh, then okay. this other girl, Tiffany Yu, I was trying to explain to my brother-in-law, or rather I was looking to see if TEDx posted all of, all of the talks because there's so many events going on. And so I went on their YouTube channel and they had a bunch of videos posted on either Saturday or Sunday and like a bunch within the last few hours. And I saw this girl, Tiffany Yu, that I had met with had they had posted her video four hours earlier and so i was like oh this is cool so yeah. it's nice to see uh, but and they're both really inspiring people so it's right. good to be in their company yeah absolutely well you have the tedx talk what else is on the docket for you in 2021 i know that you wanted to get into more public speaking and things like that so continue to work on the project and and just trying to get into the public speaking space is, is that kind of what's on the docket for you i think that's the main priority i have a, a seminar that i've been running I kind of took off this month to focus on the talk, but I've been running this seminar every weekend for groups of people on how to better talk about themselves and how to talk about or how to ask good questions of other people. Nice. And that's been really cool because I bring them into this, this Zoom room that I have and I kind of run them through the little slide deck of how I get to know people and the questions that I ask. And I split it up into four different parts. So there's this method of conversation called Ford and it stands for family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that I've become aware of uh, through people commenting about my project being like, hey, this kind of reminds me of Ford. And I looked into it more and I realized that when I talk to people, those are all the categories that we talk through anyways. And so in my seminars, I hear the questions for family, I'll break you out into pairs. You can talk amongst yourselves and practice those questions. And then I say, oh, here's the ones for occupation break it out, recreation, break it out in dreams. And the feedback that I've gotten is people love being able to learn something and put it into practice right away. And yeah. they also have the chance to meet other people. And now I see some of them follow each other on Instagram. So that's something that I want to grow as well, whether it's just having more people participate in the course or potentially turning it into a course that I don't have to be at every time, something that I could sell online. So that's another big thing. And then I don't know if it's for 2021, it's kind of COVID depending or COVID pending, but I want to get into video as well. I've okay. always kind of stayed away from video for my project because I just want it to be a really authentic experience. Yeah. But now being almost halfway through, I'm like, man, I wish I had a lot of video from some of these awesome experiences that I had in the first 5,000. <clears> and so I'm right. like, maybe if I can plan to do experiences with people, capture that video and then just put it out on like a YouTube channel. Not every meeting has to be a video, but to turn it into something where, hey, here's what's possible when you're hanging with another stranger, you could do this together, you could do this. That is something I wanna work on in the future as well. Yeah. 
Man, that sounds awesome. Uh, such an honor, Rob, to have you on my show. Thank you so much for taking time, man. I think what you're doing with 10,000 strangers for one hour and no structure, no agenda is just world changing, man. Keep going. I'm proud of you, man. And I'm excited to see where this project takes you. Keep going on. And again, I'm so honored to have you on my show. Thank you for your time, man. Thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure to connect with you the first time. It's great to chat with you again. Thank you so much for watching the show today. I appreciate it. If you could, please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast. The link is down below. That helps us get our message out, get the show out, helps us get ranked out there on the Apple podcast. Also, leave a comment below, man. I'd love to know what part of this show made the most impact on you. I respond to every comment on there. And please share this video, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, please share it out. We want to make sure that we impact as many people as we can with the guests that come on my show and highlight those guests and what they've got going on and they're changing the world. So thank you so much for the time. So appreciate it. Have an awesome day.